welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I gotta know. News came out that Will Levis is officially going to be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. I know you and I kind of talked about it a little bit off air, but over the next couple of months of the season, what do you want to see from Mr. Levis? I'm excited to see how things go. I think that this weekend's game against the Buccaneers is going to be a nice test for them, um, especially considering the game that the Bucs just had against the Texans, which we'll get into shortly. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the new air. I mean, it feels like the offense, and I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but it feels like the offense has a lot more juice when he's on the field compared to how it was with Ryan Tannehill. And I think that, I'll be honest, I don't think that they make a playoff push or anything, but I think that this these next uh, seven or eight games will be – give them the chance to kind of evaluate what they have, try to figure out what the holes are going to be going into next season and trying to build around Will Levis. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, but all right, we're going to try to do a bit of a quicker show for you guys. Um, but before we get started, as always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content. Remember by yours truly and fellow export writers, previous episodes of our lovely podcast, and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. And so we're going to kick off our NFL portion with the college football player spotlight. But this week is going to be a little different. Rather than focusing specifically on a prospect, we're going to focus on a team, and that is the New York Giants. Um, it came out that during the game against the Raiders this past Sunday, quarterback Daniel Jones suffered a torn ACL, ending his 2023 season. And while some pundits and mock drafts have the Giants getting a quarterback in the first round, if they're able to, I'm not totally sold on that. So, Ethan, let's say you are the Giants GM. First round of the NFL drafts rolls around. Are you using your first pick on a quarterback? So... <clears throat> From the like football fan in me, I would say yes. But from the like realistic logical side of me, I'm gonna say no. Because the Giants invested a lot of money in Dan Jones. And like, yes, I know he hasn't been great, but it's still like he doesn't he doesn't really have a lot to work with. Like they got they wanna get Darren Waller and he really hasn't been like his form himself when he was with the Raiders. They still haven't really found a wide receiver one. And also, like their O line has been he's still bad. So with the fact that they invested so much money in them, I'm in him, I'm gonna have to say no. I'm gonna say no to mainly because 
like you said, like they did just give this man a big contract. And considering he's coming off a torn ACL, it's not like somebody is going to be gung-ho to not only trade for him, but also take on that contract. And I wouldn't do it either if I'm one of the 31 other teams in the league. And so between that, like you said, like that offense has a lot more problems beyond just Daniel Jones. Because it's not like he's been tearing it up when he's played. But it's hard to do that when your offensive line is allowing, I think, the most sacks in the league. It's hard to do that when your best weapon is Saquon Barkley. But Saquon, his best attribute is running the ball. And when the run defense, I mean, the run blocking with the offensive line has been so piss poor, it's hard for him to really get going offensive weapons on the outside have been disappointed it's just been a bad year all around for the Giants and so as much as like you said like it'd be fun to say yeah get rid of Daniel Jones get a new quarterback it's not that simple because no matter who you drive draft they're just going to be in the same predicament that Daniel Jones was so I'm in agreeing with agreeance with you I wouldn't do it but all right, let's go ahead and turn things back to week nine. Uh, starting with your Tennessee Titans this past Thursday, faced off against the Pittsburgh Steelers and lost 20 to 16. Baltimore Ravens beat up on the Seattle Seahawks 37 to three. Kansas City Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins in Germany 21 to 14, spoiling Tyreek Hill's return game. Uh, Green Bay Packers beat the Los Angeles Rams 20 to three. Washington Commanders win a close one against the New England Patriots 20 to 17. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Houston Texans get into a shootout but when it's all said and done Texas come out on top after a historic performance from CJ Stroud 37 to 30 I mean 39 to 37 uh Cleveland Browns shut out the Arizona Cardinals 27 to nothing uh Saints win a close one against the Bears 24 to 17 Minnesota Vikings get the improbable win following a great performance from Josh Dobbs uh beating Atlanta Falcons 31 to 28 uh Colts defeat the Carolina Panthers 27-13 Las Vegas Raiders win the first game of the Antonio Pierce era beating the Giants 30 to 6 Dallas Cowboys lose a close one to the Philadelphia Eagles 28-23 Cincinnati Bengals defeat the Buffalo Bills Sunday Night Football 24 to 18 and then the Chargers defense leads the way against the New York Jets getting the dub 27 to 6 um both of us went eight and five I think I got the edge because I picked the Chiefs over the Dolphins but then you got the edge because you picked the Raiders over the Giants so that's how we end up with the same record um few injuries Steelers lose linebacker Cole Holcomb for the year uh he's gonna need knee surgery following an injury against the Titans Browns play starting left tackle Jedrick Wills and cornerback Cameron Miller on injured reserve they're gonna miss the next four games Pan- uh Chargers place wide receiver Joshua Palmer on IR as he's been dealing with the knee injury uh Vikings lose running back Cam Akers for the year with a torn Achilles Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard is expected to miss the first four weeks the next four weeks of the season with the fractured forearm and as we mentioned at the top of the show Daniel Jones is out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL we're going to cut down on the amount of takeaways that we got from this past week like I said we're going to try to do a shorter show um so let's just do one what was your biggest takeaway from this past weekend of games my biggest takeaway from this past weekend of games um I'll say from a rookie standpoint CJ Stroud might have just solidified the fact that that game that um game against Georgia in the um in the national championship. No, it was the, the uh, game before the championship game. Yeah, that's right, game before the championship. I'm sorry, but that game, I think that showed why, in my opinion, he was a better um prospect than um Bryce Young 
because he was, even though Ohio State was stacked that year, like he was playing against NFL talent all along and all around in defense. And as you see now, when you get to when you get to the point of these guys being in the NFL, like Bryce is still trying to figure it out. And I'm not saying I think he's a bust, but I just think that like if you could go back and look at history, like that game might have showed that he was actually the better prospect and he's kind of playing out right, right now at least. I'll say this, that game against Georgia by far was more impressive to me from CJ Stroud, I mean than any game I saw from Bryce Young that season. And not to say Bryce Young was bad, I mean, especially considering all the weapons he lost from 2022 to 2023, I'm sorry, 2021 to 2022. But I mean, mind you, Bryce Young was coming off of a Heisman winning campaign, going back to a team in Alabama that's always going to have talent. And just the way that he kind of coasted by where C.J. Stroud had the game of his life against the best defense in the nation without his best player, he earned a lot of respect for me, and like you said, like that game really opened a lot of people's eyes. Um, I'll say for me, my uh, biggest takeaway is while I still think that the Bills make the playoffs, this season has been very concerning. Whether it be um, Josh Allen continuing to make questionable decisions with his interceptions, whether it be the fact that they just refuse to get their run game going and committing to do so, the injuries on defense, the lack of talent in their secondary, or at least consistently showing up. I mean, it's just been bad on bad on bad for the Bills. Which is kind of crazy that I still think they end up making the playoffs just because they always seem to find a way to kind of pull it out even when they probably shouldn't. But it's just games like this past Sunday where it's like when they go up against one of those big dogs, they struggle. And considering all the other factors that I just mentioned, I don't think this is going to be a year that they can really get past a wild card round. Obviously, there's still two more months of the season. Things can change. But as of right now, I am not sold on the Buffalo Bills. But all right, let's go ahead and talk the most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookie players of week nine. Uh, Starting for me, offensive player was tough. I could have went a few ways, but I'm going to give the edge to Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. Against the Eagles, had 11 catches for 191 yards. I know that this Eagles defense isn't as dominant as it was last year, but I mean, usually nobody's putting up those kind of numbers against him. And for CeeDee Lamb to do it, I mean, I got to give him props because you know the secondary was keen in on him all game and he still managed to get it done yeah for me I'm gonna go with Josh Dobbs literally coming in off of, off of um, a trade that shocked him really everybody in um, like in the NFL from a fan perspective like like he said like he didn't even know most of his teammates and for you to come in and for you to lead like a victory in the way that he did I gotta be on some recognition Word, not only that, but he didn't um, – he said he didn't even take a practice snap leading up to the game, or at least with the ones. So, yeah, that was mad impressive. He was a very, very, very close second. Um, most impressive defensive player, I'm going with Colts cornerback Kenny Moore. Became the first Colts player uh, with two pick sixes in a game, which is kind of crazy thinking about thinking about the great defensive players the Colts have had over the years. And single-handedly, his two touchdowns outscored the Panthers in their 27-13 win. But technically, he outscored the offense too, or the Colts offense, because his two touchdowns, the Colts offense scored one. So definitely got to give him props because he was the best part of that game by far. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with you because I was watching. I, I was watching like, I think it was the tail. It was the tail end of 
I forgot what game it was. And they flashed through it and they, they showed us two pick sixes. And I was like, yeah, I hadn't seen this from like the coach defense in a while. So I got to shout him out. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I'll say that from working with the team because that was the main thing to talk about. Um, all right, and then, honestly, <laughs> rookie is obviously C.J. Stroud. Like, I texted a friend of mine who's an Ohio State fan after that game, and I was like, they might as well just go ahead and mail him rookie of the, the offensive rookie of the year trophy now. I mean, led a comeback against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who still have some really good players on their defense. Mind you, that last drive of the game came with like 46 seconds left, um, had completed 30 of his 42 passes for 470 yards, which is a rookie single game record, and five passing touchdowns. I mean, the only option is CJ. 100%. And, um, but that also goes to my most disappointing player, it's it's not even just a player. It's a whole unit. It's the Bucks unit. Allowed for the Texans offense to get 496 yards. I think they had three three receivers who had a, over 100 yards receiving, and they allowed a season-high 39 points. That is the last thing you want to see from your defense, especially when your head coach is a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, my, uh, my most disappointing, I agree with you, but my most disappointing – it's not even – I can't even say it's a player. It's just – I want to say it's a coaching staff. It's the Cowboys offense and coaching staff. Because that's the game I was watching. I was watching the Eagles and Cowboys game, and I was like, oh, they're about to make this comeback. And then, like, once they got to their two-minute drill, it was looking smooth. And then it was just, like, a couple, of, like, miscues – that I feel like got them out of field, like they could have got them a little bit more field position to where they could have, instead of that, their last pass by that being like maybe a yard or two short, it, it might have been in the end zone. Yeah, no, I was, obviously I was watching the Colts game, but I did try to like uh, catch some of that Cowboys game as well. But yeah, we were talking about it. Like it was just some missed time decisions by the Cowboys because that last drive, they had every opportunity to score. And it seemed like they were going to, especially when uh, James Bradbury went down. I think a play or two later, uh, Darius Slay was down. They both ended up coming back, but it was probably one of the better games I've seen this past weekend. Um, All right, let's go ahead and look at the big signing of the week. Uh, Last week, the Chicago Bears traded a second-round pick to the Washington Commanders in exchange for defensive end Montez Sweat. And this week, they agreed to a four-year, $98 million contract extension with him. Uh, $73 million of that money is guaranteed, so congratulations to both sides. The Bears finally have a pass rusher who can bring consistent pressure and hopefully get them over the hump, and Montez Sweat gets the bag that he deserves. So congratulations to both of them. All right, let's play a quick game of Believable or Buffoonery before we make our Week 10 draft picks. Uh, Starting things off with those Buffalo Bills. When recounting this past game against the Cincinnati Bengals and the struggles that the team has had over not only this year, but last year as well, Trey Wingo said the Bills peaked with 13 seconds left in the divisional round versus the Chiefs. Do you think that's believable or buffoonery? I think it's believable because since then, they haven't shown, in my opinion, the Bills really haven't shown any improvement. Like, I think 
that team that was up with 13 seconds left against the Chiefs has been was the best version of the Bills that I've seen so far. And, like, they haven't gotten better, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, I mean, it seems like everybody is just clinging to them getting back to that spot of, like, yo, like, they're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to do it. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a wizard, and that all happens. But it's it's just crazy to think, like like you said, like, since then they really haven't made those improvements. Like, they go get Von Miller, who everybody knows is one of the greatest pass rushers of this generation, but he just tore ACL last year, and we're kind of waiting to see him get back to form. Stephon Diggs is amazing, but Stephon Diggs can't be your only target. And while they've tried to bring in other people, it's just they have not had a big enough impact in their offense to really get them over the top. So, yeah, I think that's believable as well. All right, going on to the uh, Chicago Bears. Just last night, they defeated the Carolina Panthers Thursday night football, led by Tyson Bajan, uh, when won that game. My bad, trying to pull the score up. I think it was, what, 16-13, something like that. Um, yeah, and so now it's got people questioning, one, do the Bears even need to rush back Justin Fields? They have a bye this coming week, so maybe he could come back week 12. Or even if he's going to wear the Bears jersey again. Just recently, um, Stephen A. Smith mentioned that he thinks that uh, Justin Fields shouldn't play another game for the Bears. And he also added that he that uh, Justin Fields should hope the Bears trade him to a more respectable franchise. Now, like I mentioned, there's a good likelihood he'll be able to play Week 12 when they come back from their bye. But believable or buffoonery. Just, we have seen the last of Justin Fields playing for the Bears. Mm, I'm going to say Buffoner. I think he'll come back. I think it might be this might be his last season, though. Uh, I just realized I misspoke. My bad. They play next week, but they got a long bye. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think it's buffoonery as well, just because I think that they kind of want to see what they have. And then if it still continues to be a dumpster fire or he's still kind of struggling the way he was early in the season – I think they're going to move on. And I think that's just more so because I think they're going to end up clearing house. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Eberflus, their head coach, is gone. They move on from uh, Getsy, their offensive coordinator, Justin Fields, and others. So, yeah, I'm going to say believable for now. But come next offseason, especially if they wind up with the first overall pick, maybe even two, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, all right, last but not least, Bill Belichick has been a stalwart and the one of the faces of the New England Patriots since taking over as their head coach in 2000. However, considering the team's 2-7 and seven starts of the year, many are questioning his job security. He was recently asked about it uh, following their most recent loss to the Washington Commanders, and he said this, I'm going to control what I can control and get ready for the Colts. So it does beg the question, believable or buffoonery, Bill Belichick is in his last days as the Patriots head coach. I'm going to say believable. I just think that, like, no offense to Bill, I think Bill is still one of the greatest coaches of all time. But I think when you look at the Patriots dynasty as a whole, like, Bill always had a really great defense. And his offense was normally good because they had Tom Brady. And, like, you look at it now, his defense is still good, but their offense hasn't been able to recover since losing Tom Brady. And I think that, like, that's 
especially in today's NFL when it's like offense centric and you can't just have a defense like you have very few defenses that are able to just completely dominate games like I, I think his time is up yeah I think so too I just think that the Patriots are one of those weird teams like even now like their roster right now may not be as talented or as good as it's been in the past but it's like it feels weird to be able to count them out like even in the past like that last year with Brady when this didn't seem like they could score 20 points consistently and their defense was really bailing them out and they just did not have those offensive fireworks you still kind of had to be like man it's the Patriots you can never really count them out they always got a chance and so it feels like over the last couple of years they've kind of lost that and I think that especially if they miss the playoffs this year, you already got questions about Mac Jones. You already got questions about so much personnel on your roster. And even with Bill Belichick, who, like I said, has been such a big part of the team. So I think it's believable. I could see Robert Kraft just want to go do a total franchise reset and try to turn things around in 2024. So, yeah, I think it is believable. But, all right, let's go ahead and make some game picks for a week 10 starting things off in Germany where the Indianapolis Colts are going to take on Bill Belichick's New England Patriots who you got I'm gonna say Colts Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Green Bay Packers I got Steelers Steelers New England I mean not New England uh, New Orleans Saints versus the Minnesota Vikings this is tough I'm gonna go Saints though because I trust their defense to kind of disrupt Josh Dobbs more than I did the Falcons. Same. I'm going Saints. Cincinnati Bengals, who will be without T. Higgins, they're hosting the Houston Texans. Shout out to the Texans for the game that they just had, but they didn't go up against Joe Burrow on this offense. I got Bengals. Yeah, I got Bengals as well. Baltimore Ravens facing off against the Cleveland Browns for the second time this season. You already know what I'm going to say. Yeah, Baltimore. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting your Tennessee Titans. I think this is going to be a really good game, but I'm going to give the edge to the Bucs. I'm going to go Titans. Uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, host, are being hosted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should be a great game, but I think the 49ers in their three-game losing streak can get back on track. What was the game again? I'm sorry. 49ers and Jags. I'm going 49ers. All right, Los Angeles Chargers versus the Detroit Lions. This is an upset, but I'm going Chargers. I think that even with Josh Palmer on IR, I think they have the offensive weapons to go blow for blow with the um, Lions, and I think – the game a few weeks ago against the Baltimore Ravens kind of proved that this defense can be exploited. So I'm going to go Chargers. Uh, I'm going to go Lions. All right, next up we got the Atlanta Falcons versus the Arizona Cardinals who are getting back Pro Bowl quarterback Kyler Murray. Don't matter. I still got Falcons. Uh, I'm going to go Cardinals. New, I'm sorry. Uh, Washington Commanders versus the Seattle Seahawks. I got Seahawks getting back on track. Seahawks. Dallas Cowboys hosting the New York Giants. They should win by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, Cowboys. All right, Sunday Night Football, a game that should have been flexed out. New York Jets versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I know that the Raiders are feeling good about themselves. But the Jets' defense is really, really good. And I think that they're going to be able to cause some problems. So I'm going to go Jets. 
Monday Night Football, we got my brother-in-law brother and the Denver Broncos returning from their bye, heading to Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. I got Bills. Bills. All right, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookies we're watching. Um, Offensively, I'm watching Kyler Murray. First game back since, I believe, last October, November, after suffering that torn ACL. Interested to see what he's going to look like because not only is he playing to introduce himself to this new coaching staff, but to show that he deserves a spot on the team because they're another one of those squads where if they get the first overall pick, I don't think they'd hesitate to take a quarterback. Yeah, for me, it's Kyler Murray as well. All right, next up, we got the defensive player we're watching. Honestly, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say the whole Bucks secondary. I already talked about the way that C.J. Stroud diced them up. They have to bounce back. Uh, for me, I'm going to look at the Baltimore Ravens, like front seven. I know that they're a great unit, but the only way that they – the only way the Browns got a chance at winning this game is if they were able to run the ball. And if the Ravens, which they routinely do, aren't able to stop the run, I think it's going to be a long day. All right, next up we have our rookie we're watching. I'm going to Mario Douglas, wide receiver for the Patriots. Um, with Kendrick Bourne out, he's become Mac, uh, Mac Jones' top new target, and he's shown some signs of explosiveness. But, I mean, again, nobody has necessarily done it consistently on that offense. So I think he's going to have to be a, play a really big role this Sunday if the Patriots want to have a chance. Yeah, for me, i got to go Will Levis. This is third start. He's officially – Told that he's the QB one without any questions or thoughts around Ryan Tannehill taking his spot. Um, third week of getting like reps with the ones. I just want to see what he's gonna look like. All right, last thing. Let's talk the team we're calling out. Obviously, I'm calling out Baltimore. Not only do I want to sweep the Browns and get another big divisional win, but also I refuse to lose to a team that has the Predators starting at quarterback. So. Uh, yeah, obviously I'm calling out the Titans. I think I am gonna call out. Um, I'm gonna call out Arizona because a part of me is like I want to see what Kyler does. There's also this part of me that's like, since I have brought him back this season. I feel that it'll be interesting to see what they look like, just because, like with Josh Dobbs, this offense was moving, and so. Yeah. Even though they may not have a whole bunch of household names, like they were doing pretty solid. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kyler because he is obviously the best quarterback in the room. So you would think they'd be able to keep doing that, but we shall see. All right, let's go ahead and move on to NBA updates. Starting with a recap in this past week of options um, action. Starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, I got Giannis. Yeah, I got Giannis as well. Western Mamba, I'm repeating Nikola Jokic because, again, he had another great week and is continuing to do so without Jamal Murray on the court. I'm going to go Shay. That's real. Shay was a very close second for me. And then Rookie of the Week, I'm sorry, rookies. Nobody's really doing as much as Wimby, even with kind of a lackluster performance at Madison Square Garden. So I'm still going Wimby. Just to be different, I'm going to go Chick. That's fair. All right, let's go ahead and talk our top takeaway of the week. Uh, for me, it reverts to the Spurs. 
I need people to stop letting the Wimby hype make them forget the Spurs are not really a good team. Like Wimby, again, he had a couple of rough games this previous week, but I mean, he's shown some flashes of being a really, really exciting player. And that is great. Everybody loves Coach Pop. Everybody expects Coach Pop to get this team rolling. But still, if we're comparing them and their overall talent to a lot of other teams, not just in the Western Conference, but the NBA in general, it's not surprising that they started this season, what, three and five? And they're probably going to have a sub-500 record. And that's okay. This is a development year. But just want everybody to remember, the Spurs, just because Wimby's good does not mean that the team is good. Uh, my top takeaway is I wonder how long all the growing pains for the dang introduction to the books and how long are they going to take place and how big of an impact is it going to take on their overall record. Um don't get me wrong, I still think that Dame and Giannis are probably the best duo in the Eastern Conference, but they still have to get chemistry and continuity. And you, the bigger piece that you've seen it is, is on the defensive side of the ball because, like you stated last week, last year, the Bucks were one of the top defensive units in the NBA. This year, that ain't the case. And People have also called out Dane for his lack of effort on the defensive side of the ball. So, like, I know it's a part of it where it's like you're getting that feel for one another in the introduction of a team. I just wonder how long it's going to take because, like, if they aren't able to right the ship defensively, then they aren't going to make it far in the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and talk some league news. Not too much to talk about regarding signings. Uh, forward Kevin Knox is headed back to Detroit, played over 40 games with them last year. He's back on the roster this year. Um, now on to injuries because, unfortunately, there are quite a few. Starting with Robert Williams, he is done for the year following knee surgery. A tough blow for a young player who just cannot seem to stay healthy. Uh, Nets lose guard Cam Thomas for the next two weeks with an ankle sprain. Unfortunate because he'd been on a tear. Uh, the Miami Heat are also losing a player to an ankle sprain, that being guard Tyler Hero. Prayers up to Pelicans guard CJ McCollum. He suffered a small, I'm going to mess this up, a small numerax in his right lung and he it was deemed a medical emergency so it's tbd on when he's going to be able to come back but prayers up to him very serious hope he's okay um and then last but not least kind of talked about it a bit ago but jamal murray is going to miss at least the rest of this month after being sidelined with a right hamstring strain now kind of looking at the standings obviously it's still early in the season but the nuggets are still kind of holding their own eight and one only team in the western conference with just one loss do you how do you think that they can continue to stay afloat with jamal murray out the lineup um i mean keep doing what they're doing with Nicole Jokic, honestly. Because even with Jamal Murray out, they have enough talent on the team to win games. Like, because if I'm I don't know, I think they start Reggie Jackson in his place. But Reggie Jackson is a capable scorer so he can be a guy that can get that you can look to get scoring production from alongside Jokic. And like, as long as everybody else is healthy, like, I don't see like, I'm not going to say like, I don't I'm going to, I don't think it's going to be a big drop off, but I think they'll be able to like stay afloat, still win games. Cause at least in the West, like 
it really hasn't been any other team showing like they want to rise and take the Nuggets place. Like the Suns are injured. Like they still haven't had Devin Booker, KD, and Bradley Beal all play together. I don't think yet. I the think late- uh, I know Bradley Beal just made his debut earlier this week. Yeah, like the Lakers, they they don't look like the team that everybody thought people people thought they were. The Kings look good, but it's like I still would take the Nuggets roster over the Kings roster. Yeah. The Warriors look good, but it's like they're older, and we don't know what they're going to look like towards the end of the season from an injury standpoint. So, yeah, I just think just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, I feel you on that, especially considering it's not like they haven't, they've never experienced a stretch when Jamal Murray hasn't been able to play. Like, I mean, earlier last season, it took a while for him to be able to get back to the court after suffering that uh, knee injury. And obviously when he came back, they got better, but they still were staying afloat. They still were a top seed in the Western Conference. So I'm with you. They've seen this movie before. They know how to handle it. So I think that they'll be fine. All right, let's play this quick game of Believable or Buffoonery and then uh, make our game picks and get up out of here. So starting off with some possible changes to the NBA draft. For those of you who do not know, the NBA draft is just two rounds. They all take place on the same night, unlike the NFL draft where it's broken up to a weekend, same for MLB, all that jazz. However, that may be changing. Shans reported, um, as a part of the meeting today with general managers, the NBA discussed the possibility of extending the draft format to two games, I mean two days, uh, beginning as soon as 2024. Uh, Shams explained that the concept has been increasingly discussed in recent meetings as team executives believe they could better utilize more time for both first and second rounds. Believable or buffoonery, the NBA should make its draft a two-day event. No. I, like, I love well, I don't, I'm not a big like draft watcher. I think like literally my first time ever watching the NFL draft was like maybe last year. But I just, I don't think it should take two days. Cause it's like, once you get really in my opinion, once you get past like the first like top 20 picks, people kind of don't care about the draft anymore. Unless it's like a guy that fell lower than they were expecting got drafted in a position so i'm gonna say no yeah i'm gonna say no to um i'm on the opposite side of coin though i love the draft especially the nfl draft like aside from the actual nfl season it is my second favorite thing in sports i am such a draft nerd i love the combine i love listening to analysis i will watch the whole draft with no problem you would think the first round of the draft is like a super bowl the way like i get hyped up for it with basketball, I don't feel as deep about it. Like, it's cool and I'll watch it. But it's like, like you said, like, I don't, even 20 might be a stretch. After you get past the lottery picks, the that's the kind of the sucky thing about NBA is like, a second round pick in the NBA, there's no guarantee they're even going to be on the roster come the time the season starts. Whereas, like, with the NFL or MLB and other sports, like, a second-round pick is still, like, a really hot commodity. And obviously that's due to just the roster sizes around the NBA and everything. But I don't think, like you said, like, I just don't think it necessitates two days just because, like you said, beyond a certain number, people kind of stop caring about the picks. 
So I don't think it's really worth it. Like it might be cool to provide a little bit more insight on the players and all that, but overall, I don't I don't really think it's worth it. But all right, let's hop in our time machine and travel back to 1992 and talk about the Dream Team. For those of you who watched uh, The Last Dance, you already know kind of the animosity that surrounded Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons and other players around the NBA namely with the Chicago Bulls. And in a recent interview, Scottie Pippen talked about that 92 Dream Team and how having Isaiah Thomas on the team, despite his belief he should have been there, would have thrown off team chemistry. He said this, looking at his numbers, it will be difficult to argue Isaiah wasn't deserving. Putting a basketball team together is about more than numbers. It's about chemistry. And with Isaiah on the Dream Team, the chemistry would have been terrible. Ethan, do you think that is believable or buffoonery? I think it's believable because none of them liked Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I think like, so too. Yeah, it's that simple. Like that's the key point of chemistry on the team. Is like how like you cannot like somebody and like still have chemistry, i.e., like Shaq and Kobe, but like one, but they had years of playing together, so they were able to. They were able to get to a point where they can like fake it. If you're telling me you're throwing Isaiah Thomas and some of the best guys on the team for one summer, that is is going that they weren't going to run into issues. I highly doubt. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think like again, if we're just looking at the numbers and his production up to that point in his career, absolutely he should have been there. But this isn't like. A season. It's not like he was joining the Bulls or the Lakers and one of those teams. Like this is literally just for the summer. Y'all just have to coexist for a few weeks, and that's it to reach your goal. I don't think all the beef that they had with Isaiah Thomas and vice versa was just gonna go away for the sake of a gold medal. So I'm in agreement with you. I think it's uh, believable as well. All right, last piece. Nikola Jokic has been terrific to start the season. Unsurprising. He's a two-time MVP. Uh, winner just won finals MVP and I mean it's got a lot of NBA fans talking in fact one fan tweeted out the gap between Jokic and the second best player in the NBA this year might be the widest it's been since LeBron in 2012-2013 he's unbelievable I think you and I both talked about it that we think that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the second best player in the NBA or at least we did before the season started so believable or buffoonery there's a wide margin between Nikola Jokic and Giannis or if you think somebody else is the second best player um, I'm starting to lean towards Steph because like he's looked better this season than he did in his MVP seasons which is a crazy thing to think about but yeah I agree Um, and if I were to say if in my opinion like right now if I were to say that Steph is the second best player I don't think it's that wide of a gap between him and Jokic. Now, if we were to say it's between him and Giannis, I definitely think it's a wide, a huge, I'm not going to say a huge, but a significant gap simply because Jokic can take over the game in ways that Giannis can't. It's tough because I think I'd still lean towards Giannis just because Steph has been amazing. But, I mean, I think Giannis has been amazing as well. I just don't think that him and the Bucks kind of have the wins to back that up. But, I mean, I think he's still having a really good season. And so, 
obviously I think it's a margin because I don't think anybody would really argue that Nikola Jokic was the best player in the NBA right now. But I don't think it's, if we're comparing it to like LeBron with the Heat, I don't think it's anywhere near that big. But I think there is a margin. That's just me. All right, let's go ahead and get up out of here. Make our game picks for tonight. It is the second week of in-season tournament play. Honestly, don't really mean nothing to me. But it's a good night of games. Starting off with the Washington Wizards and Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to go, let's say Wizards. Kyle Kuzma's been balling this week. Uh, I'm going to go Hornets. 76ers and Pistons. I got Sixers. Sixers. Brooklyn Nets versus Boston Celtics. I got Celtics. Celtics. Minnesota Timberwolves versus the San Antonio Spurs. I got Timberwolves. Yeah, I got Timberwolves. New Orleans Pelicans versus the Houston Rockets. I'm going Pelicans. And, yes, I am a little salty that the Rockets just beat up on my Lakers. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rockets. Uh, Utah Jazz versus Memphis Grizzlies. I got Grizzlies getting their second win of the season. How proud did they do? I got Grizzlies as well. I mean, they got to get their league back for the last time they lost to the Jazz. That's true. If not for any other reason. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers look so disjointed right now. So, I'm going Mavs. Yeah, I'm going Mavs too. Oklahoma City Thunder versus Sacramento Kings. This should be a great game, but I think... I think I'm going to go Thunder. I'm going to go Kings. All right, last but not least, Los Angeles Lakers versus the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if AD is playing tonight, but it doesn't matter. I'm picking Suns anyway. Yeah, me too. All right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, Obviously, go Titans, go Grizz, go Tigers. Do you think Anthony Edwards is going to test Wendy tonight? 100%. Okay. 100%. I, how's he going to work? I don't know. But, I mean, Ant hasn't shut back down from nobody. I don't think he's going to start now. Sure. Um, as for me, you know, Ravens handle business, especially against the Predator. Like, obviously, I don't want to lose any games, but I really don't want to lose this weekend. Um, So, there's that. Go Tigers, go. Handle business. LSU, kind of disappointed we lost last week. But it's all good. You beat Florida, we're going to be friends. And, uh, yeah, please continue to check out my work with the Colts. Did some cool stuff this week um, that I really enjoyed doing. So, check it out. Did a story on Segun Alubi, backup linebacker who started in places like Zaire Franklin. That's a good story. Did a story on how uh, young def- defensive players are earning playing time. So, you know, fun content. And then, obviously, more stuff coming uh, with the team being in Germany. So, be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with y'all next week. And, obviously, Survivor Series War Games is right around the corner, so be on the lookout for predictions as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.